episode of Wrestling Kicks Arms. And now your hosts, Dane Alves and Christopher Ray-Pitton. Yay! Hey guys, we got something to cheer about a little bit. Guess who's coming back? Guess who's back? Yes! Yes! I have roommates, and they probably think that I'm giving birth right now if they heard me in my uh, in my room. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> awesome episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance tonight, guys. Uh, we're going to be talking, obviously, about a little goat man uh, that can kick the shit out of people named Daniel Bryan, a.k.a. Brian Danielson. Yes, man, is that petty. Um, I'm just kidding. I love this. Um, but... We also have other wrestling news as far as uh, getting us to the road of WrestleMania, uh, going over a little bit of New Japan, uh, other stuff to that nature. But, uh, of course, myself, Dane Alves, you can find me on Facebook and everything, of course, guys. And Geek Vibes Nation's on Facebook. We got Twitter. We got Instagram. We got all that stuff. Especially plugging us up more, so I'm trying to get in the habit of it. But along with me, we have my good friend, a guy that actually can rival a beard with Daniel Bryan, Christopher Ray Patton. How you doing, Chris? I am doing wonderful, though my beard is not on a Daniel Bryan level during his title run right now. i got to step my game up. I cut, I cut it down a little bit. But, uh, yeah, thanks for the compliment. <laughs> How are you doing, man? Doing good, and no problem. I was just blowing smoke up your ass, actually. Uh, but, you know, we both we, – we, me and, and Chris can both grow some mean beards. Like, we, we got those manly uh, instincts in us. Um, I don't garden um, – that's not manly anyways. Anyways, uh, but yeah, I guess let's just go into it, Chris. Um, so yesterday uh, there was information. Uh, I think it first started off with USA Today. Uh, made its way through all the major outlets of ESPN, uh, Variety. Everyone did an article on it. It was pretty impressive, and that was that Daniel Bryan has been cleared to wrestle with the WWE. And uh, that means that the specialist that he went to, he had lots of doctors clearing him. Him and uh, I, I believe Joseph Maroon, which is uh, it's definitely Dr. Maroon, uh, who is WWE's specialist doctor. He's the one who basically has the last decision that Vince trusts dearly on whether or not wrestlers should compete. You know, he had definitely shown progress with a lot of the stuff that he has been doing uh, concussion-wise uh, against it. Um, I'm pretty sure he was doing some type of like like hyperbaric chamber style thing, like new, new, new technology of, of eliminating um, past concussions, or at least, uh, you know, alleviating, if you will. So uh, he, he asked Dr. Maroon, um, I'm assuming the last couple of months, who do I need to go to that you would find credible enough to clear me? And he sent them to those said doctors. And finally, Clear to wrestle with the WWE. Currently, the SmackDown commissioner um, got a beating by KO and Sami Zayn on SmackDown. It's like, all right, you clear? Good, let's do this. Um, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, but Daniel Bryan's back, and that means we're going to get some awesome matches now that things have ch- the, the landscape since when I started watching wrestling against when Daniel Bryan first retired. So the landscape wrestler-wise has changed drastically. You know, you don't have CM Punk, you don't have Alberto Del Rio, you have a lot of new faces. Some of the guys that he was used to going against, like Sheamus, uh, are, is now a tag team. So it's, it's different. There's a lot of great matches, 
that we've never seen, like Shinsuke Nakamura or even a Kurt Angle in him going at it, that are now possible because of this. And it's just awesome that someone that if if you watched, um, and I'll admit it, I watch Total Divas and Total Bellas sometimes, okay? It's something to watch when you're bored. I think I've admitted this on here, but I'll keep on acting like this every time I talk about it because it's kind of chickish. I'm just kidding. Um, But either way, you know, he was literally depressed. And Bree and, you know, Birdie, his daughter, brought him away from that depression, but she wanted him to fight and find out. And he did. And uh, a lot of people are going to be worried about what's going to happen to him and the risks involved. And, uh, you know, I I think that's definitely – some people's head are in the right direction. Some people's head are up their ass about it. Um, <laughs> a bunch of them, I know that he has had neck, neck issues, but they, they believe that's the reason why he shouldn't be back in the ring. It's like, no, actually, it was concussions that kept him out, but thank you for not even realizing that. A lot of marks out there. But anyways, I've been rambling on for a while, Chris, trying to introdu- uh, introduction it, if you will. How do you feel about Daniel Bryan coming back? Let me know what you thought when you first heard the news. I mean, obviously, when I first heard the news, the immediate thing I thought of is, well, who's he going to face at WrestleMania, whether that was the right uh, thing to think or not. I mean, me and you have been talking about this for probably about six months now, uh, after it came out that he had been cleared by multiple doctors, he was possibly looking to find a way out of his contract, but he was still signed on until 2019 with WWE. There was talks of him possibly going to New Japan or back to Ring of Honor, finding somewhere where he could legally work where they would let him work. And, and when it really came down to it, the doctor that finally approved him, is, his name is getting brought up a lot, which is uh, Maroon, or Maroon, however you want to pronounce it, uh, who is the head, uh, head doctor who has been involved with multiple lawsuits, one currently uh, with CTEs. I believe that you still have uh, a bunch of people involved, and I believe Raven was the ori- one of the originals as far as like outside wrestlers in, in WWE, uh, which was kind of what everyone pointed to of why he would never get approved with that doctor also being so involved in this lawsuit um, and the fact that he was the one that continuously did not approve him uh, to continue wrestling even you know, as he fought through these different things and went through the hyperbolic chambers which just sounds weird to say because as soon as I say hyperbolic chamber, I just think of Dragon Ball Z, but apparently that's a, a real-life thing. Um, I guess hyperbolic time chamber if we're talking about Dragon Ball Z, but we're not. Uh, moving on, though, like so to me it was a little bit surprising that he finally got approved. I, I kind of thought it would happen. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact while they have some big matches on this card, they don't have the big celebrity uh, that they normally like to have, someone like The Rock or uh, some sort of big host. And I wonder if that played a lot to do with it, getting passed through. Maybe they, they think, like, hey, like, when we get sued later, it'll be better than, you know, not making that money that we can make now. And I think Daniel Bryan coming back and being part of WrestleMania will be a huge draw. I mean, it's the equivalent of getting someone like CM Punk back. Uh, Daniel Bryan, towards, you know, when he won his championship and the Yes movement and everything that was behind it, how much fuel he had, uh, if he would have been able to stay healthy, I do think that he probably could have been the biggest wrestler of the past five years, like if he would have been able to go on a run. They stopped and started this push so many times um, that when they finally gave it to the fans, the fans were so happy and so elated to see. And 
it's great to know that he's going to step back in the ring. It's good to know that there are wrestlers that will take care of him, that he can work with on night-in, night-out night, night out basis uh, in the WWE currently. When you start talking about people like Bobby Roode, who's very safe in the ring, um, you have you know uh, AJ Styles, who's one of the best workers today. You have uh, you know Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Um, there's so much match potential there. Uh, my only worry was that like they're going to go, okay, well, let's do his first match back. Let's do Shane McMahon versus Daniel Bryan, which just sounds terrible um, yep. for a lot of different reasons. But outside of that, man, I was super stoked. Uh, I'm a big Daniel Bryan fan, big uh, American Dragon fan with his work in Ring of Honor. Uh, I think if you weren't around, for some of his run, I would say definitely see, you know, Daniel Bryan versus Triple H at WrestleMania 30. Uh, Trying to check out CM Punk versus Daniel Bryan at Over the Limit. Um, Daniel Bryan versus Batista versus Randy Orton at WrestleMania, basically WrestleMania 30 in general uh, with a big role. But if you're looking for something a little more deep cut, there's also like Daniel Bryan versus Dolph Ziggler at Bragging Rights. If you just kind of want to see what this guy can do if you weren't around for his original run. There's obviously a ton of Ring of Honor stuff that you could bring up as well as New Japan um, or PWG if you wanted to go that far back or and try to dig up some other things. But as far as like mainline WWE, I think those are some of his best matches, things to look at. You weren't around for that original push, but I think people are in for a uh, a big treat. I hope it's not been too long. I think Daniel Bryan is still super over. Um, and hopefully they put him in a position to do well, and he doesn't end up just feuding with Shane McMahon for a long period of time. Uh, like What I don't want to see is this like play out until Survivor Series. Uh, between those two with, like, the roster separating no. or getting really weird. Uh, but other than that, man, I'm super stoked for it. I thought his uh, speech, which I guess we'll talk about later, was really, really heartfelt and uh, really awesome. And uh, we'll get into more detail than that later. But those are my initial thoughts on it and how I felt, you know, as soon as I saw it, other than just being super hyped uh, when you sent me the message and I saw it pop up all over Twitter, so... Yeah, I, I, they better not do that until freaking Survivor Series. Uh, but we'll, we'll we'll get into some more speculation on what exactly is going to happen with Daniel Bryan at Mania. It seems pretty loud and clear with the end of uh, what happened at SmackDown. They're probably going to get some type of tag team. And uh, Daniel's come around on how he feels about Sammy and uh, KO. But I definitely also wanted to include two more WWE matches because um, you, you laid down most of the good ones. I also loved his match with John Cena at SummerSlam 2013. When I saw a badass match that he had with Bray Wyatt at the Royal Rumble during that time period where he was one of the Wyatt members. I don't really know much about that storyline because I didn't watch the whole entire buildup, but great match. Um, I saw another match that I found. Um, I think it was probably from Roth with him and Cesaro. That was pretty badass. That someone suggested online. He's got a lot of good stuff, guys. And uh, like uh, Chris was saying, I mean, the the, the great part is – if you want to see him pre-WWE as Daniel Bryanson, his actual name, um, his Ring of Honor stuff, you know, he's gone. He's had matches against Kenny Omega, Tyler Black, who's Seth Rollins, um, uh, Desmond Wolf, aka Nigel McGuinness, uh, you know, Hado uh, uh, Otami, aka Kenta, uh, you know. So there's a lot of great wrestlers that you can watch him have these amazing matches. 
And I've watched quite a few of them, especially lately. I've been just having a Daniel Bryan binge. I think the, the match that we'll talk about later between Zack Sabre Jr. and uh, Tanahashi at the cup finals for New Japan was like the first non-Daniel Bryan match I've watched in the last, uh, well, day and a half. More than a lot of it, basically. Very excited. Um, but let's, let's kind of go into some more of the stuff uh, involved in this whole entire thing, kind of like the last subject we'll talk about before. Because we know we're going to go over it when we get to SmackDown, going over that whole entire thing. Uh, there's there's a lot of concern, Chris, with pe- from uh, people, and I, I was kind of talking about this earlier. And I kind of want to say that the steps that he's doing, the fact that his wife supports him through this, the fact that WWE finally and their biggest doctor, who if there's anyone on the flip side that's mad at uh, Doctor Maroon for making these decisions, he's just trying to yes, he's trying to make sure that someone like a Raven most of his career in ECW getting the shit knocked out of him later on can't claim concussions uh, for himself from WWE. Uh, well, I guess technically they own ECW, so maybe he can. I don't really know exactly the stipulations behind that, but he's, he's there also for the wrestlers well-being is what I'm trying to say. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it, Washington O'Brien's speech, uh, you know, declaring that he was retired. I didn't, I wasn't watching for that long, but that one really hit me. And it kind of reminded me of Edges, which sucked. Um, Spinal stenosis had a stop abruptly uh, pretty damn early in his career, if you ask me. But Dan O'Brien, I think health-wise, I think he's doing good. I think he's so damn intelligent and so in tuned. Um, I think he's a vegan uh, with his body that I don't think that if it was another person, basically, maybe you would have some worry, but you got to realize that anyone that's huffing and puffing about this and like, oh, Daniel Bryan's going to hurt himself and he's got a family. Like, that's where it just becomes your your dramatic, and that's where I can't do it. Um, If you had no problem with Shawn Michaels coming back after a career-threatening back injury and wrestling another eight years onto his career, a second half very much like his protege, Daniel Bryan, how that's about to happen, Uh, or Stone Cold, who broke his neck, Spinal stenosis, his best years, maybe not wrestling-wise, but match-wise, when he was dominating through the Attitude Era, was the post uh, pile driver that Owen gave him and broke his neck. Kurt Angle, my God, still wrestling. So I'm just saying, chill, relax. I'm not so much worried about him. And anyone that's mad about what happened last night, if there's two people that Daniel Bryan trusts, to make sure that they're going to do something that, you know, impactful, that they're still going to be pretty safe about it and ease them into it, even though, yes, he did the powerbomb. Well, guess what? His issues are not his lower back. He's been doing that type of stuff for a long time. He's going to take bumps. I know that we're going to be scared for a while with Daniel Bryan taking bumps because of what happened. But I'm just saying, chill the hell out. KO and Sammy, I thought, did a great job and, you know, I'm sure Daniel Bryan wanted them more so than any other person's, you know, like an AJ Styles to an extent, but he's, he knows them. He even said he knows them for 15 years. So what I'm trying to say, Chris, is that I understand why everyone has emotions about this. They're just worried about the guy's best interest, but trying to force with their opinion, what he should do compared to what he's done, not knowing all the knowledge, I think is kind of silly. And I really trust just like with Shawn Michaels in his case, stone cold and so on that, Dan O'Brien understands his body better than anyone else. Yeah, I I, I agree 
uh, with that. I mean, at the end of the day, it's his body. And if, if this is what he wants to do, if it's what it makes him happy and he, he thinks he can go, you just have to rely on that. Uh, that's with any sort of physical activity or sport. I mean, for instance, Mar- one of Mario Lemieux's best seasons, separate sport or separate entertainment, you know, NHL, he had cancer, <laughs> you know? So like saying someone can't do something um, that makes them happy is kind of a ridiculous notion to me. I think you can do whatever your body will let you do. And if he feels like he can go, he can go. He can easily adapt his style, make changes to his style, and be super effective. I don't think he needs to do everything that he was doing in the past. I don't think that he needs to work, you know, 300-plus days a year like a lot of these other guys do. There's uh, a way that he can dial his schedule back similar to a Chris Jericho, um, and still be super relevant and have really great matches against top guys. That being said, I don't think that you should just throw him in there with anyone. Um, I really wouldn't want to see him wrestle Sheamus again, for instance. Not that there's anything wrong with Sheamus. He's just a little stiffer than other people. Um, I get what people are saying. I think a lot of it comes for fear. Like They don't want to see this guy die at the age of 55 you know, like so many other wrestlers. They don't want to go down the road of like an Eddie Guerrero or a Crispin, or a Crispin Waugh who's fresh in mind with the, uh, the whole CTE lawsuits that's going on with that being brought up. I totally get what they're saying, but at the end of the day, it's his body. If he's been cleared medically, this is what he loves and this is what he wants to do. It's almost self-serving because you don't want to feel guilty if something happens to him and you don't really care about his happiness and what he wants to do. Um, to me, that's greedy just so you don't have to deal with the emotions afterwards. Uh, it's like when someone wants to go to war and you don't want them to go to war. Uh, it, it's that kind of thing. I mean, if that's what's going to make him happy and, and his wife is okay with it and everyone has cleared him, then there's no reason why you know, he shouldn't. This isn't a, a Shabbat situation where he literally could die if, if he takes a hit to the head again um, in the wrong way. Uh, it, it's very different. It's a very different set of situations. I think that he was blackballed a little bit more because of a lawsuit than actual head injuries. I'm not saying that it's great that he's had so many concussions, but, you know, Mick Foley, for instance, had – he can't even count the amount of concussions he has. He definitely has CTE syndrome and people weren't upset about him wrestling in TNA. I think the thing, the difference is that it's Daniel Bryan and he's a big name and the fact that they publicize his retirement and the fact that he's been out in the media talking about how they will not let him wrestle. that has became more of a hot topic than it normally would. Uh, all that being said, I, I've never had a problem with it. I thought that if he was being cleared by specialists and doctors that thought he was okay to go, then fine, if that's what he wants to do. And as far as the neck injury stuff goes, you, to, to compete, you have to pass a full, you have to pass a full, you know, physical, what you're able to do. It's not like they scanned his head and were like, okay, you're good to go. It's, it's a full physical. It's a full body physical. It's the same reason that you didn't see Nikki Bella for almost a year when she lost, you know, feeling and part of her body there's a lot more that goes into this than just like his head's okay. They didn't just give him an MRI and say, okay, he's good to go. There's a lot more to it than that. And the fact that this guy has been to countless specialists, uh, 
and pass this WWE physical, which I think he would have passed beforehand if not for this lawsuit, like I said, goes a long way. And I, I would just say, you know, instead of being negative about it and saying, I don't want to see this guy hurt, I don't want to see this guy get hurt, I don't want to see this guy get hurt, be positive and be like, I'm really excited to see him wrestle. I really want good things for him and his family. Putting negativity out there is always going to breathe back negativity. It's like if every time Jeff Hardy climbed a ladder, I expected him to fall off and, you know, break his neck, like constantly saying, oh, he's going to die. And like that might happen. So just be positive and trust in the fact that he knows what his body can and can't do. Sorry, ran over. No, man, beautifully said. Uh, I completely agree with you. Um, I, I just think that people need to realize, and I think that the best example is kind of like Shawn Michaels. And I think that that honestly, not just like coming back from being hurt, but Shawn Michaels was huge. Uh, he had his time, basically. It was, it was probably from 1984 to like arguably 97. Whenever his match, whenever at DX first started. When he came back, he had a great career. But I don't think that Daniel O'Brien's going to – he might. I don't know. I think there's newer wrestlers that have a bigger chance of being that next big thing. I think Daniel Bryan was cut short. I think he's coming back more so like a Shawn Michaels as like one of the greatest of maybe the past generation because there is a newer generation than his. Um, and But he's still one of the top guys and will still keep on wrestling, much like Cena, much like Orton. And, and so forth. I hope he can get huge. I mean, that's the thing about Daniel Bryan. When you research it and just look at him, um, the stuff that he's able to accomplish, the people that he's compared to in so many different rights, you know, he's, he's known as being probably the top uh, technical wrestler of his generation, uh, much, much so like I would assume Zack Sabre Jr. is looked to this generation, uh, that Bret Hart was to his, that Chris Benoit was to his, Dean Malenko, Dynamite Kid, that same type of concept. Super babyface, uh, much like one of his favorite wrestlers, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Incredible all-around in-ring wrestler. Uh, trained, like I said, by Shawn Michaels, who did a similar concept like this. The anti-authority babyface that has the fans over, like a Stone Cold Steve Austin. The Yes movement is comparable, I would say, to Hulkamania. I mean, think about all the guys I just named, some of the biggest. And his mic skills are great. His intensity is great. I'm looking forward to seeing a bunch of awesome matches. Yeah, he's not going to do some crazier stuff that he would have done when he was younger. But we probably don't even need him to do that. I mean, and we're going to talk about the Zack Sabre Jr. Tanahashi match. Dan O'Brien doesn't have to go off the damn ropes a bunch. Like, I'm not trying to sound like Jim Cornette. I don't have a helium in me to be able to do that. But... He doesn't. He, he literally can just make this more of that primal style that he's been trying to go for. Basically, if you know what I'm talking about, um, he was on an episode of uh, Total Bellas showing an in-ring style that he originally was adapting for if he had to go against Brock Lesnar, which was kind of like based off monkeys and how they did cartwheels to avoid stuff and much more. Like, like he was doing those drop kicks and the way that he was moving actually on Tuesday is, is, is that type of fast, but He's doing shoulder bumps and stuff like that. He's staying away from his head. He doesn't have to get up there. He can do a lot more technical wrestling, which I was trying to compare with the Zack Sabre stuff, and not go after them, go after the ropes and shit like that. Like, I think that he'll have a pretty damn long second career, and we're going to get some awesome matches that I didn't think we're going to be able to get. Um, if he renews his contract, I'm assuming now that he, he will. Um, but think about it. I mean, 
Kurt Angle is the smallest, I think, in scope, but I still want to name it just because it would be awesome. But, I mean, really, realistically, guys, this is not 2005 Kurt Angle, so it would be a little bit different. But Shinsuke Nakamura has been a match I would love to see. Uh, him and AJ Styles have already done some stuff, but now that they're at the level that they're at now, I mean, same thing with Seth Rollins, for that matter. Love to see him go against Finn Balor, Aleister Black, someone when he comes up I would love to see him have a match with. Um, him and Johnny Gargano for, like, who's the biggest baby face between the two of them. Um, just some amazing matches. Dolph Ziggler, when he, when he came up and said that at SmackDown, I was like, after Mania, if they kind of want to, you know, have those two kind of go back and forth, I'm down for it. I think that they can get some great matches out of each other, and Dolph's a damn safe worker. Um, but I think the biggest person, and, I mean, it could be differently. I'm about to ask you what your matches that you're looking forward to are, Chris. My biggest thing is The Miz. Um, I want to see Daniel Bryan, ever since his talking smack, which was a little bit of shoot. <laughs> that's how Daniel Bryan liked to do it. I don't know if that's the reason why they stopped it, because Vince caught wind about the fact that he would kind of go off kayfabe, if you will. But when he pissed off Miz, Miz went right back. And that whole entire episode, I'm sure they're fine now, but they've definitely been amping it up um, between them. And... Miz has something that Daniel Bryan, you know, obviously the, the heavyweight title is probably the biggest title, but Daniel Bryan loves that IC title. So if Miz wins Mania, I want to see Daniel Bryan go whoop his ass and, and take that. I would love to see Daniel Bryan uh, step down from commissioner and do what John Cena did and be a free agent between brands. Use him as specialty. I don't think he needs to do full-time. I think that he's someone that is, is okay if he doesn't wrestle – and do the house shows every single time. He needs a shorter schedule. You know, I don't want to see himself. But, uh, Chris, what are some matches that you would like to see and kind of just wrap up any last thoughts about this whole entire thing? I mean, I would love to see him go against John Cena again. I think that that was one of his best WWE matches. Um, I would love to see him go against Kevin Owens or Sami Zayn singles, Uh, not necessarily in the tag team situation, but definitely, you know, Kevin Owens individually or Sami Zayn individually. I think they would have great matches together. The Nakamura match I don't care as much about because they're both strikers uh, and the way they work that match and the fact that Nakamura has been a little lazy, uh, in my opinion, with the way he's worked recently. I don't have, like, a high, high hopes for that. I think he will bring it against AJ Styles, but I would rather... See Daniel Bryan uh, go against, you know, someone like Ricochet, who's in NXT. Um, obviously, he hasn't been pulled up yet. Um, Adam Cole, I think, would be really cool. Seth Rollins, those kind of matchups I would really love. Uh, Miz would be, you know, the top one. My only worry about that is they try to tie it into Total Divas and Bellas, and then you end up with, like, this tag match uh, similar to what they did with John Cena, and I don't want anything to do with that at all. Um but, you know, the big ones would be, like, to see him go against a larger guy, like a Braun Strowman or a Brock Lesnar as the underdog, and maybe come out on top. That would be fun. I don't know that you could do it with Braun, but you definitely could do it with Brock, uh, depending on how big Daniel Bryan's push is. I, depending on where they go with Daniel Bryan, I think it won't take him long to get back to the very top as a babyface, especially on SmackDown. As much as people love AJ Styles, a lot of it is a respect thing, but that fan pop for the yes chance and just Daniel Bryan kind of being the little bitty underdog that he kind of, he, he always has been, I think will just resonate right away again as soon as he starts winning matches. 
um, or start losing matches. He's he's been one of the only people I've ever seen lose as many matches as he has and still be able to be that over, uh, which is unfortunate because I feel like it fell down onto like people like Sami Zayn and some of these other guys that were coming up uh, tried to get they tried to get them similar you know losses and and an expectation that they just get you know get over the fans. I think Daniel Bryan is kind of once in a lifetime, um, like once in a generation type wrestler, 36. So I think he's got a bit left in the tank and there's a lot of good matchups. Uh, I, I know, I don't know if you name this one, but Finn Balor would also be really, really cool uh, to see him go against. Uh, there's a ton of matchups. The thing about Daniel Bryan is he can adapt his style so well. I don't know what he's going to be like coming back. Uh, how his style's going to change. His style changes and it's more methodical, you could even do something like him versus Baron Corbin or him versus Samoa Joe, yeah, which he's done in Ring of Honor before. There's there's a bunch of oh, Samoa Joe. Yeah, I I agree with that one. Samoa Joe, I love that idea. Um, there are a lot of good ones, and I think that we'll have uh, some great matches with Daniel Bryan. We'll just have to wait and see. Uh, obviously, to me at least, uh, it's going to be him and Shane versus the two of them. I'm sure that. I don't know how they do this because both, both they have two more weeks, Chris. Both Shane is hurt from getting the shit knocked out of him and all those oh oh noises that he was making uh, from getting his throat destroyed. I wonder if Ricky made certain noises like that when his trachea got busted by a uh, Macho Man. Anyways, um, and Daniel Bryan now obviously is out, but the other two are fired. So. Do we have Kevin and Sammy coming in, you know, illegally and, and messing with the place? Because they literally even took them down off the website, to, you know, as active roster members. Um, and then possibly Shane and Daniel rushing them in the in the ring and beating the crap. I don't I don't know how they lead up to this. I'm looking forward to it. And now this match I didn't really give a shit about, which I thought was going to be a three-way between the, the three of them, possibly with Daniel Bryan being the referee is now jumped up to my top match on the same level as Shinsuke and AJ uh, or Asuka and, and Charlotte, you know, because of Daniel Bryan. So how, how, how do they book that the next two weeks? It's that this one's so tough for me because I think the obvious, if they would have, if they would have passed him six weeks ago, just abandoning this storyline, uh, this drug out for so long and putting him against John Cena at WrestleMania instead of John Cena versus The Undertaker, I think would have been the way to go. Because John Cena did oh, yeah. match, Daniel Bryan responds, there's your match. I think that's a bigger match. Um, because now you're twisting it into this weird story angle that's been going on for like seven months that no one really cares about, in which Shane McMahon is the actual heel in the situation against the group that's supposed to be your top heels. Um, which I have a problem with in general. I guess gender is technically their top ill, but Kevin Owens is honestly their top ill. Uh, so if I'm booking this and I have to get, what, do you want do you want different scenarios? Because one scenario is that you have you build to Daniel Bryan versus me, Shane McMahon. Give me the way that give me the way that you think you would do it, and give me the way you think the WWE should have done it that they would have done if they hadn't more time basically or what okay. what do you think WWE is going to do compared to your opinion if that makes I sense. have two weeks right so the first thing I'm going to do is yes Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are fired they're fired 
and maybe Daniel Bryan, even though he got attacked by them, maybe he's not super happy about it. And you, you go back to the fact that you have some other stuff going on in the episode where him and Shane aren't seeing eye to eye, and it leads to a straight match between him and Shane McMahon because he can carry the pace. He doesn't really have to take any moves from Shane McMahon. You're literally just going to talk about like Shane McMahon doing those shitty jabs and Daniel Bryan carrying the match for the most part. And you just do a straight singles match, and you build a match where you have Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn fighting for a job. And whoever wins that match gets a roster spot on SmackDown. And then you can have Kevin Owens come out or whoever loses that match and interfere in the Daniel Bryan uh, Kevin Owens match or Daniel Bryan uh, Shane McMahon match because more than likely it'll be some sort of no DQ match so that you know Dan you know Shane can get a shit in because otherwise it's just going to be a weird match. Um, that's the way I would probably do it, and then you could lead up to a tag match, or you could put either Kevin or Sammy on a free agent status, in which if you do it with Kevin, you could bring him directly back to Raw. Uh, with a Triple H tie-in. They never really resolved that. You could do more stuff there. I think that would be the way I would go. The way I think WWE is going to go is they're both fired. Shane and Daniel Bryan get on the same page. They have a tag match. Daniel Bryan hits on the LaBelle lock, probably to Kevin Owens for the win. Yeah, I liked your uh, your concept. I don't know if I'd have a match with Daniel Bryan before WrestleMania, but I definitely like your concept. But I think that what you said is exactly what they're going to do. Well, I, wasn't like Wrestle, I wasn't saying before WrestleMania. I'm, I'm literally saying, you know, you build up like a bunch of dra- drama between him and Shane, and then him and Shane have a match, and then they book a stipulation beforehand of like, Sami Zayn, we really like Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens for a contract. So you do like a contract match, not necessarily like a gimmick, like contract on a pole, just like whoever wins this match, it's contract. Maybe you do an Iron Man match and you do zero fall or something. Um, doesn't necessarily you want a long Iron Man match. You could do, well, you could do a 15 minute Iron match or a time limit match. Just book it. If you book it two weeks ahead of time, you have time to explain the rules. Just don't do it the night of. But basically what I'm saying is like separate those two matches out. Let Daniel take the easy route with Shane. I think that'll be a pretty easy match for him, uh, doing most of the wrestling similar to what AJ did. And then you get a good match between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, which is a feud that has to explode anyways. And then you can either, you know, move one of those guys off to a different brand as a free agent or, you know, put them back together. Um, But what WWE is going to do is completely opposite of what I think they should do. I see what you're saying. Uh, Yeah. Uh, definitely could see them maybe leaning towards that if they had more time, I guess. I don't know. We're, we're, besides talking more about Daniel Bryan, which we will when we get to SmackDown, we're going to go over this whole WrestleMania card, and that's a whole entire another freaking talk is how they're going to fit all these matches that they have positioned in a, in a timely manner. Um, and there's still guys that we have no idea what they're going to be doing. Uh, if they're even coming out that night, you know, talking about like a Bobby Lashley, Rey Mysterio, um, who else has been cleared? Jeff Hardy has been cleared now. Apparently that he's not uh, getting too much in trouble for his uh, DUI. Um, what's his name? Uh, Big Cass has. So there's a lot of wrestlers that we still have no idea. Samoa Joe's been cleared. What's going to happen with them? Or they're saving for him for after Mania. But we'll get to that. Let's get through Raw, though, a little bit. Um, 
The show opened with Kurt Angle saying Roman Reigns is suspended and Brock Lesnar hasn't made his way to the building yet. Reigns appeared in his gear coming out of the fans and said he was going to talk to Lesnar face-to-face no matter what. Reigns set up a chair in the ring and refused to leave, so Angle went to the back to get U.S. Marshals. Yep, that's what they do. Uh, And they came to the ring to read Reigns' his Miranda rights that they have on their cell phone, then put handcuffs on him and tried to arrest him. Reigns attacked the Marshals, and once they were laid out, Lesnar entered. Lesnar attacked Reigns with a chair while Reigns was handcuffed and gave him, like, 90 suplexes, uh, and then also gave him the F5, I believe, on the chair. Reigns was placed on a stretcher by medical professionals, uh, and when he was strapped in, Lesnar returned to ringside to continue the assault, knocking over, and trying to do his best impression of Braun Strowman uh, several months earlier. How did you feel about the opening, Chris? And I think that even though some of this I was, I was kind of parodying and making fun of, the one thing that seems clear, well, either the audience that they were at, which I believe was Austin, is a great audience and not as shitty as some of the other places that they've been in recently. Or Roman Reigns is getting – I mean, you can say what you want about him. It's like straight 50-50, almost like John Cena, positive and negative reaction at the same time. He's got the loudest reaction, which is good. And it seemed like through the actions of what, what happened, Brock Lesnar was definitely getting a lot of heat, which is what you're supposed to in this, this whole entire thing. I think it's rushed. I think U.S. Marshals are goofy of why the hell you would send them. Ro- Roman Reigns would be in jail for a very long time for assaulting three U.S. Marshals. Uh, and who the hell – doesn't try to do the handcuffing, you know, behind the back. That's like a normal practice. I get it. Uh, They're trying to go for Austin, um, which seems like a a parody that they're trying to do. You know, you can have like someone like Daniel Bryan who kind of does that naturally his own way, or you can try to mimic the exact same thing and doesn't really work out. But a lot of problems with this opening, but at the same time, I think it was effective in what it had to do for the storyline. How'd you feel about it? I honestly thought that the reaction to Roman Reigns and the things that he was actually saying on the mic were kind of lukewarm. Uh, I, I get that he has a loud reaction, but he always has a loud reaction. I don't think it made the crowd think one way or the other about him. Um, what I will say about what I will say about Brock Lesnar is Brock Lesnar gets a reaction no matter what because he's Brock Lesnar. Um, the beatdown was kind of boring. The U.S. Marshals thing seemed really, really dated. It definitely seemed very Stone Cold Steve Austin. The difference is Roman Reigns isn't Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, other than that, I mean, I think it was effective in trying to build towards this match. They've had, you know, Brock's been off TV for three weeks now or two weeks now. Um, so they had to do something. This kind of made sense, but... I still don't understand why Roman's suspended. Hasn't really been clarified. Uh, if anything, they should have suspended. Like, if it was me booking it, I would have suspended both guys. One for, you know, Brock no-showing. And then I would have suspended Roman and then had them both just show up, like, randomly in the crowd and start beating shit out of each other. Like, went WCW with it, where they bought a ticket and then they got into a fight in the park. And then you can do the arrest angle or whatever the hell you want to do, where one guy gets arrested and while he's in handcuffs, the other guy beats him up. I think there's other ways to get to where they wanted to go without making it, like, a direct reflection of, you know, Stone Cold. I completely agree with you on that. I I, I like your comparison to WCW with that whole entire, like, I'm going to buy something and sit in the crowd. Um, that would have been a lot more effective, I think, but... Unfortunately, Chris, you don't book 
uh, Raw, and we got what we got. It looked to me, uh, Matt Morgan actually made me go back and look at this, that they had been messing with that uh, that spot um, uh, where where Roman Reigns, um, you know, was handcuffed because around his wrist it was already scratched up even before they even put it on. And I was like, he's mentioned something about that. I went back and I was like, you're right. Uh, and apparently all those guys were obviously uh, local talent. Uh, he actually dislocated one of the dude's jaws from the elbow. Uh, unless the guy was just bullshitting online, but uh, you know, um, it is what it is. I think it's. I think they're going to have a pretty damn decent match, um, and it's going to be what it is. I just, I think it's silly at the same time that it's going to probably be the last match on the card because I'm kind of hoping that they do that for uh, Shinsuke and AJ, or even even be ballsy like you've been doing and have it be Charlotte and friggin' Oscar, like. Uh, but whatever. Uh, we'll get to that like, road, if you will. Okay, because I was going to say, because I honestly think the way they've talked it up, that it's going to be Nakamura and AJ closing the show because they don't want to put they don't want to put them before Brock. I think they would rather put that match, like they think that's going to be a showstopper of a match. They would rather put that, you know, after. I, I'm a, like, they're either going to do that opener or closer because that's going to fucking that's be what a I'm wondering. And you're not going to want like, Brock to close it out. Because like, if you close it out, then you're going after AJ and Nakamura, Asuka and Charlotte, and Undertaker and Cena. And whether you know Undertaker is ready to go or not, Undertaker's rumored for this card, and I just don't see you putting... like That match is going to be... like Brock's match might be in the middle of the card. And I don't think there's a problem with that. I would that. be I think completely that okay with that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I totally would be down with that, Chris, if it's in the middle of the card. I just feel like somehow Roman Reigns are trying to get him over so much that's the only way Vince can think about doing it is he's going to be the main event against Brock Lesnar. Hopefully you're right. Um, but, you know, like I said, we'll have to wait another two weeks, a little bit actually longer than that. But uh, next part, Alexa Bliss and Mickey James came to the ring. Bliss pretended to apologize for what she said about Nia Jack last week, but said she's not sorry and uh, admitted she was using Nia Jax, and she wished she would have said it sooner. Uh, then Asuka came out for their match. Asuka defeated Alexa Bliss. This was a non-title match. After Asuka put Bliss in a lengthy ankle lock, Bliss got to the ropes, then opted for the count-out loss with James' assistance. After the match, Jax ran out to get her hands on Bliss, but Bliss escaped through the crowd. She completely destroyed Mickie James. Either that or Mickey is pretty incredible at selling, uh, just probably a combination of the two because she's taken those type of bumps from uh, Jax and does them great. Backstage, Bliss complained to Angle about what Jax had did. In response, Angle made Bliss versus Jax for the Raw Women's Championship official at WrestleMania 34. I am actually looking forward to this match. I think they're doing a pretty damn good job building it up. I kind of get sick of the whole... I, we talked about this last week, Chris, but, like, all right, you're getting... Uh, you're getting a beautiful woman like Alexa Bliss, who is amazing at being a heel, but it, she's constantly with Bailey, with Nia, with Mickey, you know, body shaming them and everything like that. I'm not going to be, it's not that I'm oversensitive about that, but Alexa has had issues, self-reflecting issues her whole entire life. And, you know, has had issues, um, eating issues before in the past. So as, in a way, not only do they think it's toxic for, Alexa to be projecting that type of storyline, which obviously you can play a character and everything. I get that. 
But now Nia Jax doesn't deserve it either. They can figure out a better way, I think, um, to make the split happen. Uh, you know, dom- the, who's a better with dominating? But then again, I guess I have to step back because Nia Jax has been performing, um, you know, pretty damn gripping, uh, very convincing uh, lately. So they are driving me to the match. I just still – something there bothers me a little bit with the storyline. But uh, what do you think about happening tonight? And are you – you probably saw this coming a mile away like I did. Yeah, I mean – as soon as you saw Asuka show up and actually challenge Charlotte, I think that this feud was pretty much set in stone unless you were going to have a title drop beforehand, which seemed far-fetched. Uh, so I'm, I'm fine with the match. I, I think this would be the time to put the title on Nia. I think they're trying to position her in that way uh, where that she can kind of be sympathetic. I think the way they're going about it is all wrong. Um instead of her being kind of gullible and and being bullied by someone much smaller than her, I think it would have made more sense to maybe have had, you know, Alexa and absolution join forces and beat her down or did something more like that. uh, And and kind of focused on that being the problem. Just if you're going to bully her, have the entire locker room do it and don't do it because of the way she looks or anything, do it because she's the threat, you know? Um, as far as the match goes, I think it's a good time to put the belt on Nia Jax. It gives you plenty of time to build up Ronda versus Nia, which I would assume would be where they're going to go uh, unless they bring up Ember Moon or, or Kyrie Zane in the near future. Uh, and then you have some people for Ronda to run through before she gets to Nia, and you can have Nia be the dominant champion up until that point, which is kind of what they seem like they're wanting to do with Ronda. Uh, which is kind of the outlier of this entire thing is like, well, what are you going to do with uh, Ronda Rousey? The other thing is the money in the bank. Can she challenge anyone, and does she interfere in this match, and do you have Car- Carmella win the title? Which I think could be the swerve. I don't see her interfering in the... I don't see her interfering in Oscar's match, Oscar uh, and Charlotte, so this might be the opportunity for her to interfere. Money in the bank is right around the corner, so she's kind of got to cash in at this point. Uh, but yeah, I, I, as far as the actual segment and stuff goes, I, I have similar problems with you as far as body, the body shaming stuff goes. We went on, we went on about that a lot last week, so I don't want to harp on it too much, but yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. And um, you're going to get basically a Miss Ross situation with Mickey James and Alexa Bliss and Nia having to overcome the odds, which should seem pretty easy for Nia because she's demolished like three or four people at a time consistently since she's been in WWE. So it's, it's kind of hard to feel sympathetic with just two people out to get her. You know, that was my only problem with it. Yeah. I, I, I liked a lot of what you just said, um, especially, you know, talking about Carmella possibly coming out. I, the reason why that could definitely work more so with this um, and not come off too ridiculous kind of like very similar to how Oscar had a chance to pick between two and she went over to the other side with Carmella doing that. I mean, apparently they're going to have some type of shakeup on raw anyways. So who cares? And like that situation where Alexa bliss, you know, does some devious shit and she somehow beats Nia Jax. She's all happy. Uh, then you hear the music come out. She runs out to the ring, beats crap out of her, takes the belt from her or even Nia Jax. Cause that would enrage Nia 
and that will give a lot more competition. I don't think she would hold the belt too long, but I think especially Carmella is like in-ring work, not only her character work inside the ring, she's been doing great. So if they wanted to do something like that, that would be great. I do also like a dominant Nia Jax um, leading up to her and Ronda Rousey. Um, I feel like it's going to be Nia. Uh, before she goes against Charlotte, I think she's going to have like some type of program with Nia, possibly with Alexa, um, maybe with Shayna. I suggest that situation where Shayna gets pulled up, you know, Triple H and, and Stephanie use her, you know, her, her ex-best friend as the one against her. So, you know, you can get that type of style that they have and really go full force with it in the ring. Um, and uh, leading up, eventually we get Charlotte and Asuka, uh, you know, and that's in theory or rumored, or as uh, Bruce Pritchard would let's say, innuendo. Um, right now it's, it's rumored that we're going to get Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte uh, Flair versus Asuka at WrestleMania next year for some type of title. So I don't know if that's actually going to happen or not. But then all of a sudden, you know, you got Sasha still, you got Bailey. So Ronda could have like a lot of people to bounce off of. Nia as a champion also on Raw has a lot of people to bounce off of. So I think it'll be interesting. I really actually kind of now hope that Carmella cashes in against the Raw Women's Champion. Uh, uh, but I, I don't know if that will happen. If it happens, first of all, if Charlotte beats Oscar, uh, I'm just going to be completely aggravated about that. I guess it's not a finer person to lose to, but I just don't see it happening. But if what would be worse is if Carmella came out and beat Oscar right afterwards. Like, that's not happening. So Carmella wastes her, her thing, too, after two fake-outs and Baron Corbin already losing his. Like, I don't see that happening either. So your scenario kind of makes sense the most. But let's talk to Mr. Braunstrom as we keep on going down this card. Braunstrom came to the ring and said, Kurt Angle told him he needed to find a partner to challenge the bar at WrestleMania because they're garbage. Uh, Strowman said he could do it by himself, and the bar came to ringside to interrupt his claim. Strowman interrupted them and said he was he has a partner for WrestleMania, and that Angle promised him a match against one of them tonight. Cesaro ended up taking the match. Braun Strowman defeated Cesaro, and actually a pretty pretty good back and forth match, um, really proving that Braun's come a long way, and that Cesaro is a badass in ring wrestler. Uh, nothing too over the top, but they had a pretty damn good match. Strowman pinned Cesaro uh, after a power slam. Pretty much out of nowhere, too. Um, afterwards, the Revival defeated Titus Worldwide. The Revival hit the Shatter Machine on Apollo Crews, and Dash Wilder got the pin. After the match, the Revival promised to be the first tag team to ever win Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. So this is definitely going to be basically every big guy that doesn't have anything to do uh, Kane, possibly Big Show, um, Baron Corbin, and then every tag team that doesn't have anything to do on WrestleMania. And they're going to try to win it as a tag team. I don't think they realize it doesn't work like that. But, yeah, whatever. We'll give it to them. Uh, how did you like the Braun Strowman stuff? And uh, who do you think that his already picked partner could be? And then how did you like the Revival stuff and their announcement? I mean, I like the match because you're, they're going to this. At least they're going to make him have a partner. Uh, which I kind of respect. Uh, what I hope they don't do is they bring back like James Ellsworth and Braun just murders him and then wins the tag team titles or something weird. Uh, I think more likely is going to be you're going to get either Mark Henry or Big Show as Braun Strowman's partner. Obviously, Big Show would make the most sense. Big Show should have a, a respect for Braun Strowman based off the matches that they've had. 
I feel like you could build off that, and then you have a tag team for Braun to roll with as the two uh, big guys until they broke up, and then you could redo that match and split that tag team or cause them to lose because of, you know, Big Show knocking them out or Braun knocking you know, Big Show out and just walking out of the ring because he doesn't really care. I think there's a way out of that. Putting Braun with, you know, someone smaller uh, or someone that would just immediately cause them to lose would be weird. You it, with with all the clearings that they have with someone like a Samoa Joe, you could look at Samoa Joe of being like a hired gun, or you could look and then you could build to like Braun versus Samoa Joe. Um, so there's different things that you can do. It's just where they're going to go with it. I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I would think Braun Strowman and Big Show make the most sense, and then having like, you know, Cesaro and Sheamus kind of play chicken shit heels a little bit, even though they're you know, big guys in their own right. They're not like Braun Strowman, Big Show, Big. And, and Big Show is cleared, and he's been ready to come back and wrestle for a while. So I think that could be the obvious thing, unless you just want to have Big Show in the in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, which makes sense. Um, the only reason I threw Mark Henry's name in there is he's another big guy who's getting inducted in the Hall of Fame. It's not that he can't wrestle um, or that he's so broken down and can't wrestle. You could do something like that. The other name I would float out there, which probably wouldn't happen, is you could even do if you if you don't want to go the route with Daniel Bryan, you could you could have done Daniel Bryan and Braun Strowman, which would have been interesting, uh, similar to what they did with Kane and Daniel Bryan early in his career with the uh, group therapy and all of three, which would have been really funny. But I, I don't think they're going there. So I think it would either be Big Show or, or Mark Henry as his tag partner, probably more than likely Big Show. Um, and then I think they win the tag titles uh, and go on to face, you know, the revival probably getting in their head would be the obvious choice. Uh, as far as the revival segment, I, I thought it was fine. I mean, they beat Titus Worldwide, who's won a bunch of matches on Raw, but has consistently been beat by the tag champs. And the revival are the next people that you're pushing as your major tag team champion. So it, it kind of made sense with what they're doing. I don't know. I don't think they're going to win the giant Memorial battle Royal just because of how many people are going to be in that thing. And you know, they're going to try to pop some people with NXT. I mean, you could, you could honestly see like Aleister Black win the thing if he really wanted to, or, you know, like uh Velveteen dream or one of those guys. So, uh, cause, I mean, cause it just really doesn't mean anything when, when it comes to the main roster. Yeah, no, I I agree. Alistair Black's got to probably rest, though, because he's probably going to win the uh, title away from Andretti Cien Almos the night before, but that's more of a joke. But I'm I'm just saying, Alistair Black's fucking winning that damn title, okay? He better. (laughs) I like Andretti, but apparently he's getting called up. I think that he'll do great on Maine, especially if he has Selena Vega as his his mouthpiece. And uh, dude's a badass, but I want to see Alistair with that damn belt. Yeah, I have been a Mark Fallacy Black for a very long time. If you don't believe me, ask Chris. Um, and he will say probably the same thing. But Braun Strowman, I'm, I'm wondering, this is kind of my um, out-of-the-box choice. Unless they're going to save him, because I think they are saving people like Lashley, um, possibly Jeff Hardy, unless they do another thing with uh, Matt Hardy on WrestleMania. Um, but Rey Mysterio has been cleared, man. His muscle's fine. Uh, he's apparently in the last pers- – he, he might already be signed, basically, is what I'm saying with WWE. You put the little guy with the big guy, that type of situation, because you have Braun Strowman come out, and he's like, this is my partner, and then booyaka, booyaka, people are going to freak the hell out. 
and they can kind of work on some stuff with them. Um, maybe try some of the stuff that Kaz and um, Big Kaz and uh, what you call Enzo could never do. Uh, oh, I'm just kidding. That was that was throwing shade. Hey, uh, Enzo's a douche. Before we before we move on from this, uh, another good option that they could have went with if they were going down this path is just Undertaker no shows this thing and John Cena is his partner. And that's how John Cena gets to WrestleMania. Like Braun's like next, like not this week coming on Raw, but the next week he's like, hey, do you want to be my partner? <laughs> kind of thing. Do you want to be my partner? It would just be like a really good swerve. They won't do that, but that would be fucking awesome. I would give them major props for having the balls to do that. Like swerving Undertaker, like teasing Undertaker for two weeks and then literally being like, nope, Braun and Cena. It's it's probably it's it's gonna be Sting guys that's that's who it's gonna be Sting's gonna come back to be his be his partner uh, I would love Matt Morgan to do it but uh, he's actually a politician right now and seems like he has a very lengthy career and he's retired but the two of them together would have been fucking just horrible I like I like Big Show I like Mark Henry too um, I could see them putting those guys if Mark Henry here's my biggest thing if Mark Henry is in that battle royal that I think he's gonna win it. That's just my prediction. Rusev, if he's in that battle royal, I think he's going to win it. Both of them are in that battle royal. I don't know, but one of them will win it. Is my uh, is my theory. As far as anything else, the revival being there, yeah, there's no tag team that's going to win that. Like I said, I think the most two potential are Mark Henry and Rusev for obvious reasons. If you give Rusev that that rub, unless they do some type of celebrity thing with him, like a segment, like I suggest, like Hulk Hogan coming back for like a small, very short segment to give him some more rub um, because they've even been doing that whole entire celebrity thing, how he's calling out people on Twitter with WWE. Usually like his wife, Lana, if, if she were to go and do something, they would get pissed off at her and that wouldn't be broadcasted, but they've actually been like, Rusev's trying to find a celebrity. I love that Stephen Amell, I don't think we got a chance to talk about it that much. I love that Stephen Amell was like, can people quit suggesting me? I'm terrified of this guy. Because that's hilarious. Um, let's go into Sasha Banks uh, and Bailey. We're set at team match for the match. Sasha told Bailey she was her best friend and they should work out their issues face to face. She forgave Bailey for walking out on her twice. Bailey said she can't get over what Sasha did to her at the elimination chamber. She said she understood that it was every woman for themselves, but that smile that that she would have no problem doing that. Um, Bailey wanted to know why it was so easy for Banks to attack her in the chamber match, but Absolution interrupted them. Then Mandy Rose had a match. Um, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville defeated Sasha Banks and Bailey. Deville hit Bailey with a jumping roundhouse kick and pinned her. Uh, Chris, are, did they did they form these fucking female three three O's just to have constant matches with the same baby faces over and over again on both SmackDown and Raw? What the hell's going on with the women's division? Dude, I honestly don't give a fuck about any of this. But the fact that they're just now pulling the trigger on the Sasha Banks-Bailey feud makes me irate in general. And this match wasn't very good. And they haven't really built up Absolution as any kind of threat. So I absolutely don't care about this segment. And I don't really care about Sasha versus Bailey. I think it'll be a fine match. I'm pretty sure that's what's happening at Mania. I don't know how they swerve out of that, but it gives Absolution nothing to actually do. I mean, they won a match that doesn't mean anything because they didn't actually win a match. It was more just about Sasha and Bailey. 
So this entire segment to me meant absolutely nothing, and I didn't care. Wow. I mean, that's honesty, and I, I agree with you. That's, it's, it's the fact that – let me ask you something. I've, I've kind of been wanting to ask you for a while about this, but I never remember it on time. Is there any way for WWE to say keep the, the uh, split brand with everything besides the tag division and the woman division and unifying those titles? Basically what I'm saying is if they had a bigger roster for both shows – would that do any difference of us being able to have feuds that are outside of the freaking title that are interesting, not with the same people over and over again, and having one person be those champions? Would that help things out, or would it really not make a difference because now you're just taking, uh, you know, you're you're uh, making more competition with one champion? I mean, you're just basically setting up. You're you're making more competition with one champion, and they they only focus on like four or five women at a time. Uh, usually four, in general, as far yep. as who they're pushing with the way the women's division's booked. And I mean, they're not given as much time as the men. Even even they've done a lot. I mean, they have done a lot to make women's wrestling more important and be a bigger part of the show. But they still have to focus it around people that fans really really care about. If in the very first match of the night you have like Mickey James versus like. Dana Brooks, which I love Dana Brooks, but like, I don't know that that does anything for your TV ratings and viewership. You get what I'm saying? So now you get into this yep. weird situation where either you have nothing for these people to do or you do what TNA did and you have this weird women's tag team division where you start just pairing them up into tag teams. And then you have like six singles wrestlers. I, I don't think that you're wrong. I think you could do something like that. The split brand definitely hurts some of these uh, female wrestlers, but at the same time, it's like, you know, they've been building the Sasha. My problem with this is they've been building the Sasha Banks Bailey feud for almost a full year. And instead of pulling the trigger on it when Bailey was champion, when it would have actually mattered in turning Sasha heel, they drug it out, and now they're turning Bailey heel, but they're not actually going to turn Bailey heel. Like, they're just going to be like, well, they're not friends anymore. Kind of, like, that seems like what they're playing at. Unless you're going to have Bailey go, like, full shitbird crazy heel, similar to what they, you know, did with, like, you know, AJ Lee when she went full out crazy. Um, I don't know that this works on anything other than they'll probably have a good match with each other. Uh, if they have a good match with each other and then they just hug at the end of it, like, this will be one of the worst feuds of all time. Like, I will pencil it in one of the worst feuds of all time. Which I think might be what happens. Is they have a good match, and then Bailey and her hug at the end of it. And raise each other's arms. And I will pencil uh, it in like, one of the worst feuds of all time. I like the uh, vest um, that Bailey had. She was rocking, like, a Stone Cold wannabe vest, uh, the old school one with the, uh, the skull on the back that was in blue and white, but it was, like, one of her, like, little happy guys. And blue and white and all, God damn it! You can't you can't make Stone Cold sparkle. It's just like vampires, man. Just don't do that. I, I love Bailey, but um, I don't know what the hell they're going for. And I hate to say it, guys, but if you're a huge fan of Bailey and Sasha, that feud's probably going to inevitably happen in the female battle royal. I would not doubt it if it might be the main one of the main themes within there, but they're put into that. They don't have. I don't. I don't see them being able to have enough room. Um, 
to be able to have all these friggin' matches. And if anything, it would be a squash match. So put them in a battle royal. Have that be one of the main stories. I still want Becky Lynch win that motherfucker. But it would be great if it was down to the three of them and they caused each other to lose. And this really amplified some type of feud that's good and worth it going forward. But I don't expect that to happen at the same time. We got three more things on Raw so we can get the SmackDown. Uh, John Cena came out and said Undertaker hasn't responded to his challenge. He said Undertaker was disrespecting him and disrespecting every fan by not giving Cena the courtesy of even responding. And, like, if he were to have said, like, we believe you're disrespecting us, I would have been like, what do you mean we? Do you have a mouse in your pocket? Um, I love how Cena's, like, calling him and saying all this type of shit, but whatever, whatever. I, I get it. He's, he's going for it. He challenged Undertaker to do something. Kane came out. And Cena asked if he brought a message from his brother, but Kane chokeslammed Cena and left without saying anything. No idea what the hell this means. I have no idea if Kane's been talking to his brother. Um, some of this is ridiculous. Some of, some of the stuff that Cena's been doing, I've noticed, gets you into the match, and he's really great at dropping a promo. And then he does silly shit. Like, he's like, there's Kane! Yay! And, like, his, uh, looks like a fucking cartoon character. And all the stuff, like, you know... Th- Saying under disrespectful and a lot of it's just like, well, I don't think anyone believes that. Uh, I don't. Uh, so they're going to build this. If anyone's worried, it's going to be Undertaker and John Cena. I, they wouldn't be saying all the shit. If, they, if, they, if this is really a swerve, like, I'm going to be kind of pissed off at this point. Not that I want to see Undertaker put on his boots and have another match and stuff like that so much as that don't keep on saying – yeah, he's, this is what's going to happen. They're just kidding. All right, no, no, it's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, it's like, never, never mind. It's going to be Kane versus John Cena. I will hit myself in the head with a two-by-four until I am bloody and, and unconscious, okay? I won't make it to freaking WrestleMania. God. Chris, how did you feel about this whole promo? I thought it was fine. I thought the ending of it was fine with Kane coming out. I think what you're going to get is John Cena beating the living hell out of Kane next week um, to an uncomfortable point. If I was booking it, that's what I would do. Like have him literally demolish Kane with every weapon he could find while taunting the Undertaker, and then you have the bells ring, and that's how you get the match. Uh think they're going to do, and that's how I would probably book it if I had to include Kane in this somehow. But as far as... I don't, I don't know. I kind of just half expected like John Cena to be doing all this, and then Shawn Michaels' music to hit like every time someone challenges Undertaker, and he's like, bro, it's a terrible idea. <laughs> kind of thing. Um, but yeah, like I, I just totally expect you, you're going to get you know John Cena beating the shit out of Kane, taunting Kane, like taunting Undertaker and then Taker finally comes out. It'll probably be the last match of the night would be my guess on Raw next because they've already booked that match. It's already out there. It's going to be Cena versus Kane. So. Spoiler alert. I think I'm going to fight John Cena because I need to fulfill my legacy. Oh, that was a horrible, horrible Undertaker. I'm sorry for that, guys. Uh, Ballot Club defeated the Miztourage. Seth Rollins sat in on commentary for the six-man tag team match. Seth Rollins is a hell of a lot better at commentary than AJ Styles is. Love AJ, but just saying. The Miz bumped heads with Curtis Axel, 
Then Finn Balor rolled up Miz up for the pin after the match. The Mr. Raj surrounded Balor, but Rollins made the save. Um, just kind of hyping up this match. You got the three guys. This is another one. I, I'm looking forward to their three-way. Uh, it's kind of weird that they have a three-way going on, and the U.S. championship does um, at the same time, but whatever. That's, that's cool. Um, it's not like making a four-way is going to really help out at all, just make it a little more convoluted. Um, but, yeah, all right. Uh, afterwards, I have no idea who's going to be the champion. Like I said, Miz has his reasons to step out because he's about to have a baby, like right around that time period. But he also has his reasons to keep and retain the title because he's about to be- beat a huge record. Um, and then you have Balor and, and Rollins, this whole buildup. It's like it's got to be one of them, probably Rollins, I'm assuming. Because I feel like Balor might go to SmackDown. Um, I don't know that 100%, but I just feel like that might be a, be- a-, a really good fit for him. One of them should. Um, but wh- how did you feel about this? Um, I don't even remember the damn match that much. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, it was. It was cool, I guess. I, I don't know. Uh, people probably jumped at some point. Chris, how did you feel? I thought it was a, a pretty decent match uh, for what they were building towards. I mean, it was definitely going to end up with you know the Bella Club being his garage, uh, which seemed kind of obvious. And then you know Seth coming out to save. It kind of makes me think that Seth get screwed out of this title that builds towards the shield or at least part of the shield versus the Balor club at the next pay-per-view with Dean Ambrose coming back or pay-per-view after whenever Dean Ambrose is cleared. It seems like they still want that match to happen. So I think Finn might be just kind of stuck where he's at maybe with this, with the IC title to build towards shield versus uh, the Balor club. I still think they want that match. Um, the other way you could go is if you want to have like a sweep, so to speak, you could have, you know, Seth win and you have Roman win. And then the next night on raw, you have the Balor club kind of come out and challenge, you know, challenge them or whatever. If you want to focus around that entire, uh, entire scene. The other thing you could do is you could literally have, you know, Miz win this match and have someone like Samoa Joe come out and demolish all of them for no reason. Uh, so there's ways all all around this match that you could get out of it. Like, you could just demolish Miz. He's injured now. Or you could have the Balor Club if you wanted to turn them heel. You could have them demolish the Miz after the fact. Uh, injure him so he can't defend his title. The title gets put up. There's a ton of different ways to handle this where you could have, you know, either person like any of these people walk out champion. Uh, the main thing about the Miz is he is going to go on probably maternity leave once he has his kid. I would I would expect at least. Uh, but so yeah, I don't know if that means he drops the title here or if he drops the title like three weeks after Mania at the next pay per view, which is very possible. Yeah, I, my ultimate scenario, um, and I don't, I don't expect this to happen, but. Do the Shane uh, Dan O'Brien match earlier in the card. Later on, you have the IC match. It's gotten to the point where not only has has Rollins and and uh, what you call it uh, Balor been screwed over completely over and over again. Miz Taraj are now laid out, so they're not even a threat. But Miz has done something where he's about to um, maybe 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 the ref gets taken out, ref bump. Uh, Miz is about to do a chair shot on, on whoever. 
And then Daniel Bryan runs out, kicks him in the head, and someone takes the pin. And then that's Miz leaving uh, for a little while for, uh, you know, uh, for his child. And then when he comes back, they can kind of do something. And that can be Miz motivation. Like, you made me lose the IC title. Because, I mean, I'm sure Miz would love to have a record. But I think everyone at this point is uh, records with having titles or with predetermined matches probably is not that big of a deal. And that would do a lot for the whole overall storyline going forward. I don't know. I, something like that, that would be, I think that people would mark the hell out to see Daniel O'Brien screw over the Miz uh, for his IC, his, his beloved IC title. But um, let's go into this whole deletion, man. It's the last thing that happened on Raw. Now, Matt Hardy defeated Bray Wyatt. Hardy won by pinfall with the twist of face and then threw Wyatt into the Lake of Reincarnation. Uh, asked Senior Benjamin to fetch out his body. Couldn't find it. Um, and Hardy declared him deleted. Okay. Um, I know that you liked this a heck of a lot more than mine, or I did. I watched it again. Maybe I was a little bit just half asleep when I watched it the first time. I just feel like since I watched the original Ultimate Deletion between him and Jeff, uh, they were able to say screw it and do a lot more, and I, I feel like they were able to apply a lot more uh, just dry humor um, that wasn't there necessarily to me one. Um, I know there was that part where, where where Hardy or Matt was going, you know, going between the lawnmower and whatever, uh, you know, that whole entire <laughs> sh- sh- spiel or shtick, I should say, uh, that part where Senator Benjamin had the globe when uh, Bray Wyatt pulled over the dilapidated boat and said, like, you got the whole world. I got – those things were kind of funny. But it's like the other one was not trying to be funny, but hilarious the whole way through because of ridiculousness. And I felt like they were trying to be spooky. I don't know where they go with Bray Wyatt with all this. Um, I would think that repackaging them at this point would be a good idea. I'm not saying Husky Harris, but just step back a little bit with them, try to – put something forward. I don't know what the hell this means for Matt Hardy going forward. Um, I don't think Vince really liked this whole entire segment or had a lot of uh, confidence in it because, you know, you can blame Michael Cole uh, for the statements he made right before going into it, but I feel like that was literally Vince in his ear, uh, which that type of stuff is usually those long said. So I don't know where we're going to see us again. I don't think we're going to see us at Mania. I could be wrong. Apparently it's like watched – ridiculously on YouTube now, and uh, the ratings actually were really good uh, for the last hour, uh, I'm assuming due to the final deletion, but it just it didn't resonate with me. I think that everything that WWE has attempted to be like, uh, you know, Impact, TNA's Ultimate Deletion, whether it be the fight between the New Day and the Wyatts or the House of Horrors, it just doesn't work as well. Maybe it's like the horror element they're kind of throwing in there, I get it because Bray Wyatt, but it just it's supposed to be ridiculous and funny, and I kind of think that they kind of took away from that a little bit uh, by trying to go, I don't know, to WWE. I can't really – I can't describe it, but uh, what did you think about it? Well, I think more of the problem is that you're giving the final deletion instead of a month of buildup or two months of buildup where you're building a feud like they did in TNA, you're giving them three weeks. Um, I get that they were feuding beforehand, but there was not these segments in between. There wasn't a lot of stuff at the Hardy compound to build into it. Um, my biggest problem with it, I, it kind of it was what I expected it to be. I thought it was really funny. I thought the wrestling 
that happened. I will put quotes around that because there was some wrestling that happened. Um, in between, we're, we're fine. You had Vanguard. You had the, the whole Hardy family, which was fun. Um, I thought there were some good moments. I thought it showed promise of what they could do with this character. This is the first time they've done it. Um, I think they did a good job of not, not making it look too overproduced. I was more worried, like, when they did the New Day thing, it was too overproduced with, like, lots of cuts to different cult members and all the stuff with the Wyatt family. Uh, you could do something really cool where, you know, now that Matt has deleted Bray, that Bray is your basically your brother Nero. And he's Matt's tag partner, and Jeff has to overcome the odds once again. And now you get a different sort of final deletion type scenario with Jeff and Matt, which is what they want to build towards in general is eventually Jeff and Matt. But you could do something with Bray, and it makes sense with Bray being a part of this. I think works better in a group where he has more of a setting and just becoming part of this weird family or kingdom, so to speak of the Hardys would, would make a lot of sense and it could be something that's really entertaining. I, I don't know. My thing is, I don't know if Bray Wyatt plans on sticking around at this point. They, they, we had the contract talks. Is it official that he actually signed? I know that there was, we had had some thoughts a couple of weeks ago that the final deletion could have actually been his deletion that you you may just get like a weird Hardy segment on Mania. That's kind of my thought is that you're just going to get like a weird three minute promo with Matt Hardy and maybe some of the Hardy family stuff. And that kind of be it. I, I don't think you're going to see Jeff wrestle at Mania because of the DWI thing. Um, the final deletion stuff was recorded way before that. So that's kind of how that slid by. Um, I know that a lot of the views that they're getting on YouTube are kind of jaded because Hulu did pull this. The final deletion is completely out of the original Hulu edited version. So what they posted on Hulu didn't include this, which was really weird. Uh, I don't know why, but there was a bunch of news articles about it today. Uh, So overall, I liked it. I liked the humor. I thought it held true to the original I think they didn't get as, enough, uh, as much time as they would have on Impact, but I think they still hit a lot of the same marks. It was great to see Rebby and the family uh, once again. Ride or die bay. I'm holding it down, so I, I enjoyed it. I, I think they can do more with it. Once again, my entire problem with this, this with doing Woken Matt Hardy in general is the opponent they picked for him, which was Bray Wyatt, because they just went straight to Bray Wyatt right after the Finn Balor thing, which left a, a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, including mine. Um, and I think if you would have done this with anyone else, you'd take away the spookiness of Bray's character. You could have done something a little more fun and then went to Bray Wyatt after it. Like, if you did the same thing with the Miz having to go to the Hardy compound because Matt has the IC title or something weird like that, you could have gotten not only a really, really good ultimate deletion, but you could have built to a match at WrestleMania, which would have been a lot more entertaining. And he was my original pick for this in general. Or if you had the, uh, if you just wanted to do Elias Sampson versus Matt Hardy, you could have had Elias, Elias wondering, <laughs> being El Bagabondo, uh, the drifter, you know, drifting oh my the heart, which would have been way more fun. You could have had a weird guitar battle versus piano battle 
between him and Revy. Like, there's still lots of cool stuff that you can do with Matt Hardy. I'm not ready to give up on this. I do agree with you. It's not as good as the original Final Deletion, but the original Final Deletion was, like, 26 minutes long and was built for, like, two months. And it was also Matt and Jeff Hardy, brother versus brother, and not Matt versus Bray Wyatt. So I give it a little bit more of a pass, and I thought it was very entertaining and probably one of the more entertaining things on Monday Night Raw in general. I don't know why they saved it for very last, but they did, and it was to keep people tuned in, and apparently people were still tuned in, and people were very tuned in after it hit YouTube. Um, I don't know how much of that has to do with it being cut out of Hulu, uh, but, yeah, I thought it was fun. My wife really loved it because she's a huge Mowry fan, so there's that too. Delightful. Well, we'll have to see uh, further where they go. I'd like to see, even though obviously they're in different brands, but um, something with the Hardys and the New Day uh, in, in that type of capacity. I love the uh, the concept of the Miztourage. That that would have been a lot of fun because, you know, all of them, I think, are filming uh, that Marine movie with uh, the Miz, so they could have incorporated some type of Hollywood elements, cinematography, such and such. We'll have to see. Um, right now, it's kind of like, meh. But uh, it just sucks because, you know, with Bray, uh, after Orton, you'd think that he would have had an awesome feud with Finn Balor and he would have had an awesome feud with Matt Hardy. But maybe maybe he is going to another uh, place. I think that he would do fine in most other organizations. I think my top two would be, I guess Ring of Honor has to be up there, but actually it would either be Lucha Underground or New Japan because they could really treat him like some crazy entity. I and mean, he's a damn good wrestler, but... Uh, I just think that he's he's got a very, like you said, sour taste for all of us. But let's go into SmackDown. Uh, we got Dan O'Brien opened up the show, delivering an emotional promo to the crowd about how much it means to him to have been cleared to return to action. He thanked the fans. He said he didn't know when he'd be returning to the ring. Obviously, everyone started looking at Wrestle or he started looking at WrestleMania. Everyone started saying yes. I gotta say, uh, I'm not gonna try to steal it, but Matt Morgan suggested on his podcast that. WWE has to thank Daniel Bryan a lot because I think this is the first time a crowd's cheered WrestleMania and they can now use that as a soundbite in every freaking WrestleMania promo from here on out. Um, but yeah, just everyone was happy. What he said was great. Really told people to fight for their dreams. We kind of already talked about it. Any last comments about the Daniel Bryan thing before we go on with the rest of the card? No, I don't want to drag it out too long. I thought the speech was good. If you didn't see it, definitely go back and give it a watch. I thought it was uh, inspirational. I thought it definitely showed love between a husband and wife, which is a good thing, and uh, in fighting for your dreams, of course. I I thought it was well-documented in that speech. I didn't pull the entire speech to re-quote it for this show because I'm pretty sure everyone's seen it at this point that's listening to a podcast. But if you haven't, definitely check it out. And if you haven't, you're heartless. I'm just kidding. So then we had the first match. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura defeated Rusev. <sighs> AJ Styles sat at ringside for this match. Nakamura rolled up Rusev for a pin. After the match, Aiden English and Rusev attacked Nakamura. Styles started preparing to help, but Nakamura drove off Rusev before Styles could even get in the ring to assist. Since AJ's coming off a little minor injury, or at least that's what he's saying from everyone freaking out about this injury that he had towards his leg, I believe, at a house show, um, expect next week it to be a tag team match where AJ kind of sits, um, mostly doesn't do anything during the match. They're going to keep him off that leg for a while just to make sure. I don't know why the hell 
champions of your biggest matches are, you know, still participating in house shows. I don't really know how that works, but I probably keep them from doing shit like that uh, personally. Um, but probably will be Shinsuke and AJ versus Rusev Day. They're burying Rusev Day. kind of pisses me off. Uh, they're forcing him to be heels, just like when Aiden sings to the audience. He's now insulting all of them. It it just seems like it's not in Vince's pr- uh, priorities, and it's going to kind of wash by itself. Who knows? Maybe they give him like, the rub, like I said. He ends up winning the, uh, the Andre Battle Royal. That would be a great showing. Give him a little bit of a moment. I think Rusev's on fire right now. I think he's strike while the iron's hot. How do you feel about this? And how do you feel about Rusev Day? Do you think that it's a missed out opportunity because he is a good wrestler, good personality, a lot of charisma? Or do you think this is a situation where people like to chant certain things, like 10, for instance? I mean, I've always thought that people respected Rusev. If you go back to the Royal Rumble that Roman Reigns won, Rusev was the last person to get eliminated, and they cheered for Rusev post-Roman Reigns. I think Rusev has been over for a while. As far as in the, the fans' mind, I think there's a respect for Rusev. I think saddling him with Aiden English, people are like, oh, this is going to be terrible, and something really fun came out of it, uh, similar to Brazengo. Like, I, 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 you know, people like chanting and doing the dance and stuff, but I think people really enjoy Brazengo, and I think people really enjoy Rusev and Aiden English to an extent. Um, the chant has a lot to do with it, but you could throw that back on, you know, like Stone Cold with the what chant or Daniel Bryan with the yes chant. I mean, people like to chant shit. That's nothing new. But when Rusev steps in the ring, they know they're going to see a good match. Um, it's unfortunate for him, but he's probably the biggest star that they had to put Nakamura over on. So it made sense from that standpoint, especially because he's not going for any title at WrestleMania. Uh, not necessarily a huge fan that it was Rusev, but I don't know who else you slot there. I mean, you could have put, you know, Baron Corbin or Dolph Ziggler, but if you're trying to repackage either of them, that would have been a bad idea. I don't think that they feel like Rusev needs wins because he's just super over right now because of Rusev Day, which is why he kind of got slotted there. And uh, the AJ Styles stuff, wouldn't worry too much about it. He's from Gainesville, Georgia. He's going to show up at, at WrestleMania. Don't worry. I like it. I like the uh, the confidence. Yeah, it just it, the the thing that takes me back is the fact that they're kind of making him still do heelish shit. But then WWE definitely doesn't mind selling his merch, of course, online. But uh, all right, let's go to the next one. Baron Corbin defeated Ty Dillinger. Uh, Corbin won by pinfall after the end of days. Uh, Ty's got a good showing, man, in this match. I kind of want him in the uh, the mid card to some extent. You know, see a little more of him. Or when Mike Canales or when Maria Canales is is, is uh, you know cleared, she comes back from. Um, from maternity leave and stuff like that. Mike Kanellis and Ty Dillinger on some type of tag team was her managing. I don't know if we really fucking need a tag team, but I'm just saying to give those guys something to do. Um, but Corbin always, you know, impresses me, man. He's For some guy that didn't start wrestling for his size, I think he's a badass. I think to an extent for his size and the amount of athleticism that he displays, he kind of reminds me, of Scott Hall did back in the early 90s when he was raising Ramon. Uh, just a fun wrestler to throw in there and can handle his shit. And I, I constantly like him, you know, if you can kind of get over the Keanu Reeves. Um, uh, well, he, he kind of acts like Keanu Reeves, I'm just saying. What? You can't be me. I am you. No, I'm just kidding. I don't think he's ever said that. 
Um, Natalia defeated Charlotte Flair. This was a non-title match. Carmella attempted to cash in the money in the bank in the middle of the match, but Flair dispatched her with a big boot. Then Natalia took advantage of the distraction with a roll-up on Flair for the win. Um, I don't know how or why you're having your champion, uh, even if it's Natty, who's a legend in the, in the women's ranks or just in general. Um, I don't know why she's lose, or Flair's losing a couple weeks from Mania. Unless you're, maybe you're just telling a story that Asuka's in her head, and that's, that's what you're going to keep on presenting the next two weeks, then, then fine. And then uh, the Usos came to the ring and cut a promo about how the Bludgeon Brothers changed the mix and they would not be denied their chance at WrestleMania. Harper defeated Jimmy Uso in a match afterwards. Harper slammed Uso's head into the top of the ring post, then hit a discus lariat for the pin. Uh, great seeing Harper in a singles match. No offense to um, Rowan, but uh, that was pro- I, this might be the best match of the night, honestly. A uh, fun match between the two of them. I'm looking forward to New Day versus Uso versus Bludgeon Brothers, although I still think they look like LARPers. Uh, all right, let's go back. How did you feel about the Baron Corbin match, the Charlotte-Natalia match, and then the Uso or Jimmy Uso versus Luke Harper match, Chris? Uh, I honestly liked the Uso, the Uso match a lot. I thought it was a really good match. I thought it told a good story, and I think it builds to a three-way that I actually care about. Uh, Natalia defeating Charlotte Flair. I was kind of with you, but I do think it's going to be more that Asuka got Charlotte's head because I feel like they want – or either that or they're going to have Natalia be in Charlotte's head or maybe Natalia runs interference and then you can rebook that match after Asuka wins. Because I don't think that they want Asuka to lose at WrestleMania. Um, I think that you could even go the route of making Asuka have a streak at WrestleMania for a while. So I think they might go that route with her. And then Baron Corbin versus Ty Dillinger. I, I'm not going to lie. I kind of tuned out of this match. I like Baron Corbin a lot. Um, I like. I think Ty Dillinger is a good wrestler. It's just they don't really have anywhere for either of these guys to go. So, like, I just kind of went through the motions of watching that match. They're um, so giving it a, a hard review I can't really do. But it made sense with Corbin winning coming, after the, uh, coming off the good performance he had at the pay-per-view. Yep, definitely. All right. Well, then Jinder Mahal came to the ring and talked about being disrespected by SmackDown Live. God, can't they just make him a, uh, he's from the Middle East. He's from, no, not the Middle East, but India. But he doesn't have to be like, you Americans disrespect me. Like, there's ways to do it. Hobby's the best. How about kind of channeling that, that Ted DiBiase, Jesus, this rich you know, what she kind of already does is this rich sleaze bag that always uses money as a way to get around. I don't know. I, I thought they kind of got rid of that, and then they went right back to it. Bobby Roode entered and promised to win the U.S. title back at WrestleMania. We find out that, that Jinder's been added to it. Randy Orton entered and said Mahal is nothing without uh, Suni Singh. Mahal fled while Orton attacked Singh. He literally pushed him to both those guys. Orton hit the top um, – Orton hit the rope, hung DDT on Singh, then Rude hit a glorious DDT. Rude tried to DDT Orton. Orton tried to hit RK on Rude, and it ended in a stalemate. I actually thought it was pretty cool between the two of them. I am looking forward to this match, um, and for some reason, we're going to have a tag match between Singh and uh, Mahal versus Rude and Orton. I don't know how the hell that's even fair at all, but whatever. 
Uh, and then Be- Becky Lynch and Naomi defeated Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan. Lynch was able to get Logan to tap out with Disarmor, blah, 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 blah. They have nothing for these ladies. Pretty much the same shit that you were saying about Baron Corbin and Ty Dillinger. I love Becky Lynch. I love Naomi. And um, don't have any problems with Sarah Logan or Liv Morgan or uh, Ruby Wright for that matter, but I just don't care. Um, so how would you feel about the segment for the U.S. title and then the match between the ladies, Chris? So the thought of Bobby Roode, and I, I'm actually glad that they added Jinder Mahal to this match because I thought their match was very slow and pot- plotting uh, at the last pay-per-view. So adding Jinder Mahal in there adds an aspect that I think is okay. Um, I don't know that they don't have good ring chemistry. They just both work very similar styles and very slow. It's like watching Randy Orton versus Triple H. It's not a whole lot of fun. And then overselling the RKO out of nowhere, which they've done for months and months now because it was a meme, has just gotten old to me. Um, I almost kind of wish that like Orton would tease RKO and then go into a submission hold or something just to be a dick. <laughs> but uh, it was fine. I thought it was it was okay. I like the end segment, like you said, but it, they've teased those finishers so much that it doesn't mean as much to me now um, because they did this build-up as well where they both hit finishers, and then they did like four reversals in their match, which is a very slow match. Um, and then you had that awkward spot where you had Bobby Roode just basically leap into an RKO. It didn't look like any... I, I guess he was going for a blockbuster, but it looked weird because he had already hit the blockbuster early in the match, and the announcers didn't really call it out right. So, I, I don't know. It's a weird one for me. I, I think it'll be an okay match. I'm just not super stoked on it. Uh, Becky Lynch and Naomi defeating Liz, Liv Morgan and, and Sarah Logan... I, I didn't expect anything less when they booked this match. This is just building to the women's battle royal, which sucks for these women, but that's kind of where they're slotted at right now. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of it as far as my opinion of those two. Yeah, I agree. All right, the last thing that happened on SmackDown, big. Uh, Daniel Bryan returned to the ring and welcomed Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Zayn Owens congratulated Bryan for getting cleared and thanked him for being... Their biggest supporter, Brian, showed them footage from their attack on Shane McMahon last week. Uh, if you guys don't know about it, I'll give you a little bit of an audio hint. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, God, just watch the thing. <laughs> That's what he sounds like. Um, and they laughed about it. Brian said what they did last week was unacceptable and pointed out that they attacked McMahon after they'd already won the war. They said that, you know, Shane had dropped his role, realized that, he had done the wrong thing and also gave them a match at WrestleMania. And then they came out and beat the shit out of them. Um, Brian then told Owens and Zane that they're fired. Brian tried to shake their hands, but they attacked him. Brian turned the tables and hit some signature moves on both of them before Zane and Owens regained the upper hand. Zane hit a hell of a kick. Owens hit a power bomb to the ring apron and Brian was stretchered out. It was a crazy way to end draw. Um, yeah, it is. It's very similar to when Triple H beat the shit out of Shawn Michaels right before he started. I was nervous the whole entire time. I was very tense. Um, you know, I was I was like, God, just don't hurt him. And honestly, like I said, I know that they did some first stuff. The Haluva kick's all about placement and all about camera angles, guys. So you got to realize that these guys know Daniel Bryan, and I'm sure that he trusted them to make it look real rough 
and lay their shit in, but like still obviously don't hit me in the in the friggin' head. So I think everything's okay for that. I understand why people would be worried about it, but it definitely made me want to see Shane and Daniel beat the shit out of these two guys. And Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn's great. Kevin Owens is one of the best performers when it comes to performance. I mean, he's one of the best wrestlers too, but his, his anguish and his, his yells and his screams, how pissed off he was. Perfect. Um, I thought this was a great way to close it. It was shocking, but uh, awesome. And um, like I said, it's kind of weird that they're going to try to like really ransack this in two weeks. I mean, uh, understandable based on, we don't know really when he was actually cleared, but if it, it was recently, they didn't have a lot of time to play with this. Daniel Bryan was supposed to be a referee apparently beforehand. So what they did, what they accomplished, at least for the show, was good. Chris, how did you feel about the ending of SmackDown? I mean, to to say that Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens took it too far after fucking Shane McMahon screwed them both out of the title and then just gave them a match against each other, basically, at WrestleMania, is kind of bullshit. Um, so I would expect the reaction. My entire problem with this is the authority comes off as the heel once again, even though Daniel Bryan is not, not a heel. He's kind of been on their side the entire time, but that's how that, that that's how that played out, unfortunately. And as far as like the moves he took and what he was asked to do, I mean, I thought it was fine. Uh, there's nothing to worry about. He's going to have to get in there and do it at some point anyways. And it makes sense to do it with the pop-up power bomb on the apron uh, right away, which has been known to injure people and take people out and have them stretchered off to give fans the sense of worry that they need. And obviously it worked because the internet kind of exploded afterwards. Um, so I thought it was a good kayfabe. But my my entire problem with this is like Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are kind of baby faces here. I still don't see how you're supposed to be pissed at them. I know you like want to see Daniel Bryan get, you know, get, get the win against these dudes. But at the same point, it's like, I, I, you kind of made Daniel Bryan seem dumb when he's been defending them the entire time about Shane screwing them over and then Shane screwed them over. So I don't know that, that entire thing just was lost on me. I'm just like, okay, well, I guess dumb wrestling storyline. I know I should just get over it, but I, I think there was better ways to get to where they wanted to go than that. I agree with you. Um, the only thing I can think about is the fact that they beat down Shane so bad. I guess that's their reasoning, but it is poor storyline, especially for something that's been going on this long to kind of display your heels as the sympathetic baby faces and everything that they keep on getting screwed over. And now you're putting Daniel Bryan on a team with Shane to solidify the fact that they are the authority figures and all this. When Daniel Bryan is like CM Punk and Stone Cold. They're not supposed to be a part of the authority. They're supposed to be on the opposite end. So I agree with you, but it does make me excited about this match way more than I, I mean, like I said, this amplified this match because of Daniel Bryan up there with the top matches of Undertaker, John Cena, Roman Reigns, and Brock Lesnar, Charlotte and Asuka, and also, you know, uh, AJ Styles and Shinsuke. So they did that perfectly. I'm just wondering how the hell they're going to really make it make sense in the next two weeks. So we'll have to wait. Let's go over this WrestleMania card, Chris. I'm going to name out all the matches that we know for a fact. 
and some of the ones rumored uh, haven't been 100% you know, solidified, and we'll kind of talk about it. All right, we got the Universal Championship, uh, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. WWE Championship, Shinsuke versus um, the champion AJ Styles. Ronda Rousey and Kurt Angle versus Stephanie McMahon and Triple H. Uh, the Women's Championship, Charlotte versus Asuka. Um, and that's SmackDown. So the Raw Women's Championship, Alexa Bliss versus Nia Jax. IC match, The Miz versus Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor. U.S. title, Randy Orton versus Bobby Roode versus Jinder Mahal. The Raw Tag Championship, The Bar versus Strowman and whoever his partner is. The end of the Cruiserweight Champion. Uh, spoiler alert for anyone who doesn't want to know the finals for it, but it's going to be awesome. Cedric versus Cedric Alexander versus Mustafa Ali. Uh, two baby faces, and I'm surprised they didn't go with Drew Gulak uh, to get to the finals, but these guys are best friends. These guys are probably the two most efficient uh, workers in the cruiserweight division, I would say. Uh, probably Grand Metalik's up there, too. They're going to have a bang out. Uh, the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, who, like I said, if Rooster's in there, or if Mark Henry's in there, those are my top two choices to win. WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal, I think that, like I said, Sasha and... Bailey will have their concept, their storyline within there. I'd like to see Becky Lynch win the whole entire thing. Um, Undertaker versus John Cena is not 100% confirmed. Then you have Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. The Usos versus the New Day versus the Bludgeon Brothers. And uh, we still don't know what Elias is doing. We don't know if Samoa Joe's coming back. Um, probably going to save him after Mania. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that Bobby Lashley, Rey Mysterio, um, Big Cass, a lot of those guys, they're going to be post-Mania. They're going to be on the Raw after Mania and the SmackDown after Mania, part of whatever roster. Maybe Samoa Joe, just because he missed it last year. If he's cleared, maybe he will come out and lay someone out during the IC match or something. Um, Elias, I'd like to see host. I, I've been saying that. I feel like he's going to inevitably be the partner for Braun, but I think that his strength is hosting. Either him or the Hardy boys, man. man if, if you don't have anything going on with Bray, the Hardys – um, hosting would be interesting, especially with uh, Matt. I don't know. I have no idea, but that's one hell of a card, Chris. And I have to say that last year might have had better ways of setting up the matches themselves, a hell of a lot better buildups, but the card itself was not as impressive as this. Are you excited about this WrestleMania? And, uh, you know, what's some of your favorite things you're looking forward to seeing? Oh, man, I'm excited but worried. They have a lot to build towards. You have two weeks with John Cena and The Undertaker to actually build a story uh, that makes The Undertaker look sympathetic in some sort because John Cena, I wouldn't say he's necessarily been a heel, but I think after he beats the shit out of Kane next week, they're definitely going to be positioning him into that role. You have Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Basically, that's what we're assuming is going to happen. Um, you have two weeks to build it. There's there's a lot of these big matches that make me nervous. The women's battle royal, I think, is a toss-up. I think the way you get around some of this is to have some NXT help um, to make that thing interesting. The Cruiserweight Championship, I think they missed a opportunity to get Hideo Itama in there against Cedric Alexander and kind of make him the top heel. I think he would work better as a heel than kind of this tweener they have him playing. Um, So I kind of would change that tournament a little bit, but it makes sense. They'll have a good match. It's going to be on the pre-show more than likely. Um, United States Championship, 
match I don't really care about. It's going to be a very slow match. Maybe they'll surprise me being that any usually anything with more than two people is a no DQ match of some sort. So that could be interesting, but I, I do think that's going to be a little boring. The Intercontinental Championship match I look forward to because I like think Miz, Seth Rollins, and Finn Balor will do a great job. Uh, I mean, I'm excited to see what Ronda Rousey does in the ring, how much she's able to actually do wrestling-wise, what they give her to do, how much of this Kurt Angle and Triple H carry, and whether Stephanie McMahon is uh, an anchor. Hopefully not, uh, but she wasn't that great of a wrestler even back when she was doing women's wrestling, you know, 10 years ago, almost 15 years ago. So it'll be interesting to see what they actually have those two do. Um, Maybe it's just something as simple as Ronda Rousey locks her up and she has to tap right away. And then you just get a brawl between Kurt and Triple H and they build to the future. Some of these matches are going to have to be shortened, so I could definitely see something like that happening. I mean, the number one match I'm looking forward to on this is definitely AJ Styles and Sinsuke Nakamura. I mean, they've had bangers in New Japan. We'll see if they can pull it out one more time. It makes me worried seeing all the other matches on this card and knowing that when they wrestled in New Japan, they had 30 to 60 minutes, depending on the setting. And they're going to have to get all of their shit in in probably 20 to 30 minutes, maybe. Um, the other thing that worries me is like what the order of this card is going to be. Right now they have it booked with the Universal Championship being the biggest belt, which I don't think it is. I think that you should do AJ and Nakamura, very last match, keep, keep people tuned into this. Well, we'll have it will be an eight-hour event. Um, the highlights for this, I definitely think you could see the Hardys doing a little bit of a host segment. That would be fun. I think you're going to get some definitely some Hardy compound footage. Uh and I think the two best matches, the ones to look out for the most, probably going to be Nakamura versus AJ Styles, obviously. Um, Charlotte Flair versus Asuka, which I think will be pretty incredible, knowing those two. I think they're going to bring it. Um, and then, more than likely, your SmackDown Tag Team Championship with the Usos versus New Day versus the Bludgeon Brothers. Uh, just because every one of the guys in, in that match just have done so well lately, even with the Bludgeon Brothers looking a little bit like Barbers, like you said. Uh, knowing that they're both great tag, like all of the tag teams in this match is great, I think it'll it'll be a really good match, especially because of the Usos in the New Day. Um, potentially costing the Usos the title will be interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's like they're like, hey, we're like the Brothers of Destruction. And it's like, I love you, Luke Harper, but no, you guys look like LARPers. I'm sorry. Um, the pit, the weird pig mask thing that 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 Rowan wears, that's still pretty damn creepy. But um, I don't know. I think they'll figure it out. If they would drop the hammers, I don't mind their costumes. But the hammers, it's like we know it's like evil's size. We know that they're not real. Are, are they purchased by the same fucking person? Ugh, like a Halloween store? I don't know. Let me go over. We we're not going to actually like cover any of this because we already did. If you guys want to listen to it, I think it was like last week or the week before that. This is, I'm just trying to sum up this WrestleMania weekend. So Saturday night, the night before WrestleMania, the NXT, uh, this is the uh, changed card, the era, which is going to be Adam Cole subbing for Bobby Fish because Bobby Fish got hurt uh, against Authors of Pain. And spoilers, guys, for who wanted to know um, uh, 
or who wants to know who Roderick Strong's partner is and who will inevitably be a part of this three-way tag is Roderick Strong and Pete Dunn, NXT Tag Team Champions. Johnny uh, Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa in an unsanctioned match. Ember Moon versus Shauna Baszler. The North American Championship ladder match, or North American Championship, it's a ladder match. Adam Cole, who will be doing double duty, like I said, versus Velveteen Dream versus Killian Dane versus Lars Sullivan versus Ricochet versus EC3. And then Andrade Cien Almost versus Aleister Black. Now, we will talk about this one because we haven't got a chance to, Chris. Um, where is my thing? Oh, okay. So we got for the Supercard of Honor, Ring of Honor is one that's happening that Saturday night. Still, I think there's more matches to be announced, but right now we have Cody versus Kenny Omega, grudge match, Dalton Castle champion versus Marty Scroll for the Ring of Honor World Champion. Uh, I'll just go about down this because I'm going to pass to you right afterwards. I hope Kenny Omega beats Cody. hope Marty wins the title. Uh, the end uh, of the Women of Honor Championship, so we'll find out who's the new uh, woman or Women of Honor uh, champion. Uh, Heyman Page, who is the U.S. champion, I believe, in New Japan. I think he did beat, um, what's his name? Um, oh, crap, black-haired dude. Jay White. Uh, but I'm not 100% sure, but he's going against Kota Bushi in a singles match. I don't know if the title's on the line. Then we have a ladder match for the Ring of Honor World Six-Man Tag Team. Versus uh, uh, SoCal Uncensored, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky versus the Young Bucks and Flip Gordon, and then uh, uh, Ishii versus Punishment Martinez, Kenny King versus Silas Young for the television champion, and the Briscoes against Jay Lethal, Jay Lethal and Hiroshi Tanahashi for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships. What a fucking card. Dude, NXT and Ring of Honor Saturday night are going to be ridiculous. Chris, tell me how you think about some of these matches. Right off the bat, the one that stands out the most, the one that I want to see the most, is probably Briscoe versus Jay Lethal or Hiroshi Tanahashi. I think that's going to be a fucking phenomenal match. Those guys are going to lay <laughs> together. Uh, Dalton Castle versus Marty Scroll will be great. Cody versus Kenny Omega will be great. But that particular match with those two, with Jay Lethal and Hiroshi tagging, like, tagging up together, even knowing they're probably not going to win, um, just because Hiroshi is going to go back, but that match in general was going to be phenomenal. Uh, the other highlight for me, I mean, there's a bunch that we just went through, but the, the debut of Ricochet uh, and what they do with Ricochet. And if Ricochet walks out, you know, champ out of that thing. I think those are very, very exciting. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, the, I think the big one is probably Cody versus Kenny Omega. That's the one that's going to be going up against NXT is who can draw more and all that stuff. But, there, I mean, there's a, a bunch of good matches on both cards. I can't go through all of them without pulling them both up. But the one that I'm most excited for, definitely, you know, Mark and Jay Briscoe versus Jay Lethal and Tanahashi. I think it's one that's going to be slept on just because of everything you just threw out. Um, but I think it will probably end up being the best match out of all of the matches that we've made. Absolutely, man. And that one is my number one, uh, that and Kenny Omega and Cody. But, I mean, you got how – many, how many comparisons have I said about – well, we know Jay Lethal Macho Man, but with Tanahashi and Ricky Steamboat, it's like Steamboat and friggin' Macho Man versus the Briscoes. What the fuck? Like a modern concept for both of them. I mean, 
besides the fact that Tanahashi and Jay Lethal both sit by themselves, but I'm just saying in retrospect. But, guys, it doesn't end there. Along with a badass Hall of Fame, which Mark Henry just got inducted to, uh, into it or is one of the inductees, great, along with the whole lineup. I'm even happy about Goldberg going in, honestly. Um, that night, the six, we have Impact versus Lucha Underground. Here are the matches that we have so far. The, uh, the champion, Austin Aries, and Phoenix, Ray Phoenix, versus Alberto El Patron and Phoenix's brother, Pentagon Dark. Uh, then we have Desmond Xavier, Andrew Everett, and DJ Z versus Drago, King Chiarto, and Aerostar. Huge Aerostar fan. Uh, Eddie Edwards will be going against in a grudge match since Sammy Callahan said that he no longer would be a part of Impact. Well, Callahan's character, uh, Jeremiah Crane from Lucha Underground, will be going against Eddie in a, in a hardcore match. That's got craziness all written all over it. And then for the Tag Team Championships, you've got Killshot and The Mac versus LAX. Uh, and more matches to be announced. I believe Rosemary's going to get someone. I doubt it's going to be Sexy Star. Um, but another, especially once they get like some of the other matches on here, I'm looking forward to this build too, man. Yeah, me too. I was a little disappointed that I haven't seen uh, Mundo's name drip over this yet. But uh, that that He's fighting himself. match with with Aries and Phoenix versus uh, Patron and, and Pentagon Junior. I'm definitely cheering for Patron and Pentagon Junior. But I think that's going to be one hell of a match as well. Uh, the rest of the card. Looks really, really good, really promising. The Eddie Edwards, Jeremiah Crane thing, I kind of just want to steer clear of in general without us going down a deep rabbit hole right now with everything that's been going on on Twitter with uh, that botch that they had. So, um, The one thing I will say, the tag team match that they have, LAX versus Killshot and the Mac, I think might steal the show. Uh, that might be one hell of a match that I think people are overlooking for that weekend, so that would definitely be one to check out. But I think you would agree with me that this WrestleMania weekend, just every bill, and I'm sure there's going to be a great PWG show. I'm sure there's going to be a great, you know, Evolve show also in New Orleans. I wish I was going to New Orleans, Chris. Yeah, I mean, me too, but there's no way you could catch, capture all of this, right? They're not going to run them back-to-back, so it's... I. I love it, but I also hate it because I'm going to have to watch half of this stuff after the fact. Because, like, if you want to watch the Hall of Fame um, and if you want to watch NXT and if you want to watch Ring of Honor and you want to watch all of this, I'm literally going to have to stay up for, like, 48 hours <laughs> to capture all this in a short span of time. So it's a love-hate relationship with how they're booking uh, booking those weekends. I understand why they do it. Um and it worked really well last year with with the whole crowd. It's definitely something we gotta look into. Is definitely like going to the like WrestleMania weekend, but uh, it's become more than WrestleMania, and it's really cool to see. Uh, it's really cool to see how it's treated almost like an All Star event at this point, where you have like you know your big big name dudes with WWE, and then you have everyone else just coming in and being like, "Hey, we're also here. We also do really cool stuff. You guys know us." Especially when you're getting names like Austin Aries and Alberto, you know, El Patron, Pentagon Jr., Jay Lethal, the Briscoes, Cody Rhodes. Like, you're getting people that are really well-known all in the same town. So, it's debatable, man. If you're, like, a huge Cody Rhodes fan, do you go see NXT or do you go see, you know, Ring Honor Supercard? Do you go see him versus Kenny Omega? So, it becomes difficult for a fan, but uh, at the same time, yeah, I I definitely wish I was there. There's a lot of stuff I would love to see, but... 
I also would need some kind of teleporter to get to all the matches that I would want to see. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. But I'm going to be watching a lot of wrestling that weekend. So it's it's going to be a lot of fun. What I think I'm going to try to do is I'm going to watch – I'm going to try to do it all that, that weekend. I don't know if I'm going to be able to, but I'm just going to be like, screw WrestleMania this weekend. I'm going to watch the Hall of Fame live, uh, try to watch maybe Impact if I can get it later on that night, if not the next day, then watch NXT live, Ring of Honor during sa- Sunday, and then Sunday night, WrestleMania. And if I can do that, I'll have watched a lot of great wrestling, and I'll probably be completely just trashed for the rest of the week, like my brain will just be gone. But that's okay. Um, all right, so we got three minutes, we're wrapping up. I guess, uh, I mean, this was a great show. We went over a lot of information. Uh, we got hyped about Daniel Bryan. We got hyped about WrestleMania weekend. There wasn't a lot of bad news of annoyingness. Uh, you kind of alluded to a little bit of the Sammy, uh, Eddie Edwards stuff. If you guys want to hear Sammy's perspective, I would suggest listening to him on Chris Jericho. He's extremely angry about all this, but just hear his side of the story. I know that that bot shot definitely makes it look a pretty fucking bad on his end, but it was supposed to be something that happened. Unfortunately, he hit Eddie right in the face, and then two months after they recorded it and it was known and everything was fine, it got displayed live, and then people start freaking out. So... I'm I'm happy that they're able to do at least a match to try to get over this. I don't know why they picked a hardcore match. Um, I wouldn't have done that, but I'm just I kind of wanted to make a statement. But I'll let Chris kind of wrap it up, um, and I'll ask ask him. We watched the end of the uh, the New Japan Cup, uh, the last match between Tanahashi and Zack Saber Jr. Another one of my favorite wrestlers. I hope is doing something maybe with PWG or, or Evolve uh, WrestleMania weekend. I'm sure he is, but I love Zack Saber Jr. Thought it was a damn good match, Chris. Um, nothing too special. It's more technical based. If you think that Bret Hart is a boring wrestler because he does a lot of locks and stuff like that, I think Zach legitimate look more legitimate, I should say. But if you're also not a fan of like even like GSP in um, in uh, what you call it uh, uh, in UFC in the way that he has his style, you might not be too excited about this. But I appreciated it. Zach, what he's able to do, his body is crazy. And Tanahashi is a beast. Looking forward to seeing him team at Lethal. Um, we got almost, we got a little bit over a minute, Chris. Uh, give a uh, roundup of how you felt about that and say goodbye to the good people tonight. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the way I feel about it is don't go into it thinking you're going to get Will Osprey versus Ricochet off the highlights you've seen or even Will Osprey versus Okada in their recent match. It is a good match. It's one that you should watch. It's for the New Japan Cup. Uh, definitely check it out. It was a fun match. Just don't get overexcited. And then as far as, you know, the Sammy Callahan thing, I'm just going to bow out of that one because I, I lean more towards the sides of, like, just admit you fucked up. I'm glad that he didn't do it on Twitter, but hopefully he did it behind the scenes. And I think he was put in a shitty situation by the way it was reported on TV and the way it was displayed, like, two minutes later because of the way they handled TV tapings and TNA. Uh, it's definitely something that could have been cut out. All that being said, I hope everybody has a wonderful week and just keep excited for WrestleMania, and we'll be back here next Wednesday. All right, you guys have a good one. Hola. It's the mayor of Slamtown, Johnny Mundo, a.k.a. Johnny Impact, FKA, John Morrison, sometimes known as Johnny Gimmick Name, and you're listening to Wrestling Geeks Alliance.
Peace out. Have a good one. Hey, uh, it's the mayor of Slam Town, Johnny Mundo, a.k.a.